Hi, you're listening to Through the Pages. In this podcast, we read books that are considered classics to figure out if they're worth your while. And to discover why they are among the classics. We are your hosts, Fanny and Mandy. Grab yourself a cup of tea and listen to our bookish rambles. First take. <laughs> First take, Perfect. we did it. In our case now, we don't have tea, but we have a nice little coffee. Yes, because the weather is crazy warm again, despite it being almost the end of October. Mm. So we are sitting here in our short sleeve tops and drinking iced coffees. <laughs> like it's August 2022. <laughs> yes. And we read something that is a lot more October-ish Definitely. Than, um, yeah, than August or like a summer read. Very fitting for Halloween, in yeah, a way, I think. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Yes. We are, of course, talking about our book today, which is The Sandman by E.T.A. Hoffman. Yes, and I think the, the concept of The Sandman is, uh, I would say, known to quite a lot of people. Especially if you've just, like, seen, like, <laughs> gone, seen gone on the Netflix. Sandman. Exactly. In the last, I don't know, three months. Yes, and... But this story dates back quite some time mm-hmm. longer than uh, than Neil Gaiman's uh, work. And it's from 1816. And it's a novella, so it was quite a short read, short and sweet, especially which after last, we don't hate. <laughs> last time's uh, longer yeah. read, which, yeah, was very nice. Yeah, I definitely like the idea because it was very short but very concise yes which was extremely nice yes i do quite enjoy myself some shorter books lately yeah because i can just tell that sometimes my attention span is not as great we were just talking about this Mm -hmm. today that like the idea of reading like i don't know a 800 pages harry potter book in like a weekend what a concept. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and now I struggle with something that has like more than 200 pages. <laughs> I'm like, this book is so long, I actually yes. can't. Um, so this was very nice, but I feel like it's about, I want to say between 30 and 40 pages, probably yeah. depending on what kind of edition you have. But very concise and... In- action-packed. Action-packed and incredibly creepy. Very creepy. I went into it not knowing much about it, if not anything, mm-hmm. um, because I had uh, read something else of uh, Hoffman's before, not The Sandman, and it was creepy. It was so yep. creepy. For like an 1816 text. Yes. Very spooky. And for like 40 pages, it was 40 pages of terror. They went straight in with the terror and it did not end until the very end. Yes. What is very much worth to mention as well is that it's a German author. Yes. So this is the first time I think that we're talking about a German book or original text Mm -hmm. uh, that is German since our Kafka Yes, episode. yes, since we read uh, The Trial. The Trial. Yes. Exactly. So we both read it in German, mm. um, and but I don't think this should play a big role in terms of like names or... St- I, I believe all. that probably in the English translations the characters are called the same as well. I think so, for um, sure. Yeah. Yeah, because they are very distinct, specific names as well, mm-hmm. so they wouldn't have changed it, Yeah, I imagine. And it's also the first... German classic that I have read since the trial. <laughs> like, since we, we recorded that episode. Same. I haven't read any... I have read, like, German books in between. Also, maybe, like, not even a handful. Maybe two. But this is the first, like, classic. Classic. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that you didn't know anything about the story beforehand. Was it your first time reading it? Yes. 
Yes. And it was uh, it was a wild ride. Yes. I did not expect it to be mm. this creepy and also this fast paced considering mm-hmm. it was so short. So I was very pleasantly surprised. What did you expect or what were your expectations going into it like sort of based on the title? I think I was still a bit too much in the whole kind of Neil Gaiman Sandman mm. thing. Mm-hmm. So I expected the Sandman to be like I expected it more to be um, like a fairy tale where it, it also has like a lot of like fairy tale esque characteristics, but I expected it to be a fairy tale about the Sandman, yeah. like the actual person that comes and puts sand in children's eyes for them to go to sleep, and not about what, <laughs> what, what, is, what actually yeah, what actually happens. happens. Yeah. yeah. Have you read it before then? Yes, I have, and I read it. I think. In the second year of high school. Oh, yeah. We, classic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> classic, classic in more than yes. one sense. Um, yeah, I remember reading it then and we did lot, like quite a lot of like analyses and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I had forgotten quite a lot about it. I mean, I remember sort of the, the, the idea of the story, but reading it now, I was fully like surprised again. And I was like, oh, this is super action-packed. Did not remember that at all. Mm-hmm. I feel like because when you're in school and you just have to read the stuff and you're just like, I don't know, you read one book one week and then it's another one the next week. You sort of forget quite easily as well. Mm -hmm. And I feel like at one point it sort of all merge into one idea of a book in a way. Um, So it was quite nice to revisit it. And again, had forgotten loads about the story. So in in one way, very much a first reading Mm -hmm. again as well for me. Nice. And... There is, considering again that it's 40 pages long, there is a lot to forget. Like, I can imagine that maybe you remember, like, the overarching, like, what happens more or less. But then there are a lot of events Mm -hmm. and they come at, like, a five-page pace because obviously it's very short. So you always get, so, like, the plot just goes straight to the point and I really enjoyed that. I mean, I sort of, I mean, we're going to talk about this later but I remembered the idea of sort of like human against machine oh yeah humanized machine yes that's something I remember but sort of as like the core idea of the story or one of the core Mm -hmm. ideas but for example I completely forgotten the fun like narrative structure as well yeah yeah which is quite like again (laughs) (laughs) again I feel like that is like a theme throughout when I started reading it I thought oh here we go again with the letters here we go again with like the story within a story it was uh yeah this is the, the third book in a row that is like that or even I mean more, it's been Pride more... and Prejudice was no they don't have any oh letters. no no but it was Frankenstein that had yes, letters Fra- yeah 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 and then of course Hand of Baskerville also yes. had letters um <laughs> now here we're back with <laughs> here the we're letters. back with the letters I feel like they I don't know I feel like letters are the way authors try to do like a flashback that yes. way we would see now like in a series where it like goes all like wobbly and then it's like oh we're back in like two years ago yeah. and they were like let me tell you what has occurred yes. <laughs> three years ago yeah it's and also then... a good way to write something from a fast past narrative without having to like change commit yeah. to the fast past narrative yeah. because then if after like three chapters you're bored of that person you can just either like change it up and add a random narrator yeah like he, <laughs> like he did um or you can just have another person talking in a different yeah. style letter so it's quite a good way to keep the yeah the narration a bit interesting definitely and to have different people talk about the same events yes or from yes. a different perspective for sure so 
one sentence summary slash elevator pitch of this <laughs> of this book. Um, I'm gonna go with what I said before, which is a man encountering a humanized machine. Mm. Does that make any sense? It does. It does. It does if you know the story. If yeah, you but don't, it, it also bear with me. It leaves a lot of room for interpretation, and it's definitely not what you think it is, yeah. which I find quite terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I um. This is quite a difficult yeah. one because there are so many Layers. different things to analyze mm-hmm. that I would maybe go in the direction of. Like, a madman who can't tell what's real or not. Mm. And so can't you, the reader. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Very, very. <laughs> <laughs> Grammatically an awful sentence. It's a madman who is lost yes. completely. Which, like, to be honest, it is exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Um... Shall we quickly start? Like, we talked about the narrative mm-hmm. and the structure. I think that's quite a nice starting point for us to talk about yes. the book. Um, shall I give it a go? Yeah, you can uh, start with maybe how it, yeah, how it opens. How it opens. We start with a letter, who would have thought, <laughs> yes. um, by a young man called Nathaniel. Um, he's a student living away from his home and his family, and he writes to his... Uh, brother who's not his brother Brother, by blood but uh, adopted brother um and tells him a very scary emotional event that Mm -hmm. has occurred um which is then followed again by another letter by his adopted sister yes um who responds to him um based on that awful event that has happened to nathaniel yes and i think already there the whole kind of madman mm-hmm. point already starts because so basically the awful event that happens is the death of his father but it's a very like strange and tragic death that he Nathaniel connects to one specific person mm-hmm. that is called Coppelius mm-hmm. and is like a, also again grotesque looking evil looking figure that he when he was younger thought to be the sandman mm-hmm. that comes but doesn't like sprinkle nice little sand in your eyes for you to go to sleep but like like smashes a kilogram of sand in your eyes until they like bleed and fall out yeah. so you turn blind it's a very lovely thing to go to <laughs> Would sleep you like Nathaniel has some problems even as a kid yes yes like the the kind of anxiety was already <laughs> yeah. at a certain level and basically that Coppelius would come round to his um father's his parents place Mm. and then at night time and they would do like weird alchemy together which was uh, also quite like a bizarre thing because also the Mm -hmm. way he describes it he says like he once kind of saw them because he hid to see you know who uh, the sandman was etc and then he saw that they were above like a cauldron that was bubble like bubbling with stuff and there was always a very strong smell and then he saw that the person that he thought was the sandman was that Coppelius, which yeah. um is like a guy that sells barometers yeah <laughs> also random like but yeah. yeah um so yeah so he uh basically after one of these alchemy evenings mm. the dad dies a very like quick strat uh, tragic strange death 
Yes, probably with a with an experiment going completely yes. wrong. Yes, he is found by Nathaniel dead on the floor with like a blackened face. Yeah, like from probably like an explosion. Yeah, I would think very something very brutal for a for mm. a young person to witness. And he obviously then thinks it's that Coppelius because that guy then also vanishes. Exactly. And so he writes all of that down in uh, in that letter to Lothar. Yeah. Lothar, um, who is his adopted brother. The brother. And then in the... And the, no, then basically, you know, the letter actually yeah, goes on. He says that he has encountered, like, an Italian dude <laughs> that is called Coppola. And that he thinks is Coppelius in, like, kind of a new guise. Yeah. Which is very also, like, he hasn't changed his name that much. If yeah. it is, definitely, like, if it is It's him. not been that clever of a change, yeah. if you think about it. Um, so, you know, he says that, oh, yeah, this uh, Coppelius is, like, back here. He doesn't know what to do. He's very scared because, obviously, he connects mm. him to all of these things. And then you go over to the reply of Clara, mm-hmm. which is his adoptive um, sister slash girlfriend, what? wife girlfriend no girlfriend, girlfriend. Sort of love interest yeah yeah um where you can already tell that basically nathaniel wanted to send this letter to lothar which will mm-hmm. be his brother but ended up sending it to, to clara her. as like a misunderstanding maybe did it on purpose it was all a bit like very strange so mm-hmm. there you can already tell that his like mental state might be deteriorating yeah and you as a reader are quite confused because you think well he just addressed this letter to lothar why is now Clara, Clara responding. responding. Yes. Yeah. And she basically tries to tell him, listen, this is like all a product of your, your imagination. Coppola mm-hmm. is not Coppelius. Like Coppelius probably also wasn't the reason why your dad died. Like try yeah. to reason. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's a very good point. Like try to see it from like a rational point mm-hmm. of view. Because I think what is important to mention as well, we open with Nathaniel's, Nathaniel's voice, right? Mm-hmm. Like him writing the, the, the letter. And I feel like the first page is just like him explaining how something awful has happened to him and how his mental state and he's like so terrified, but like without it actually addressing what, it, what happened. Yeah. So it's just like him sort of being like, oh my God, something terrible has happened to me and you will not believe, but like, blah, blah, blah. And then instead of saying like, look, Lothar, this is what has happened to me. He like, just like worries about his worries basically yeah. for a really long time, which I think also shows that he is quite like a dramatic, um, very, very highly emotional person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and yeah, I think in this first letter, we really meet in quotations marks, the, the Sandman. Um, mm-hmm. Which, like, he always associates with something very, very evil and scary because his mom, I think, would say, Oh, it's time, you know, for bed. Uh, the Sandman will come. And that sort of coincided with Coppelius arriving at the house. So he would hear the stomps mm-hmm. of Coppelius walking up the stairs and thought, Well, the Sandman is coming and he sounds like someone terrifying. Yeah. Which is where that association also came from. Which, to be fair, I thought quite interesting because I think we all have that kind of thing as a kid where you put two completely unrelated events together and you sort of make your own idea of or a concept of how something is. Which is interesting, though, that Nathaniel, even though he's now a young adult, still can't reason and see that, oh, probably that was something that my mind as a kid sort of constructed and invented. And if I look at it now, it's probably nothing or it's not connected or maybe it was just a tragic death that happened to my father. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't this monstrous 
figure of Coppelius, who he describes as someone awful. Oh, I God, mean, yeah. He sounds like haggard and super tall and very mm-hmm. monstrous. Yeah, with like huge hands and yeah. like very, I don't know, just strange. Very yeah. much like the, like someone you would be terrified as yes. uh, as a kid. Which then you could also imagine that him as a little boy maybe saw like this figure always at night. Like, yeah, as you said, the whole mm. kind of... The, the circumstances made it seem as if he was like a real evil person. Maybe he is. Yeah. Because you obviously then still have like that doubt of did he actually maybe kill Nathaniel's dad? Was it just an accident? Yeah. Like what exactly Why happened that night? Why did he vanish? Night? Like yes. it is a bit dodgy. Yes. Um, but yeah, we definitely see into Nathaniel's soul quite a bit knowing, okay, he's, he's in a state of unrest. Mm-hmm. Um, already was as a kid and sort of still is now as yeah. a young adult. And that is in like a super clear juxtaposition, as you said before, to Clara, who is very much like sort of by his side from afar, tries to reason, is very clear saying, look, try to let that go. Mm-hmm. That's probably like, like she's basically saying that's like a trauma that your your mind as a kid yes. Um, yes. sort of constructed because you were traumatized and scared and tried to work through your dad's death and probably connected it with that monster figure of the Sandman that you had in your head. Mm-hmm. Try to let it go and live a good life. Yes. And come visit me soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She also wrote it in like a very diplomatic way, I found. Like yeah. quite sen- sensitive and sensible. Not like, oh, like stop being so dumb. Like she wrote it, like taking him, se- like taking his concern yeah. seriously, but, but at the same of, time kind of debunking his whole yeah. world that he has created. Yeah. And positioning it in a very much a rational sort of understanding yeah. way. Yeah. Um, to which Nathaniel <laughs> responds very sort of undiplomatic Shocker. because he then does not respond to her with his letter but to Lothar the person who he had actually wanted to send his first letter to being like well I'm super like I'm, I'm a bit mad because I wanted to send the letter to you now Clara wrote to me in this very like I don't know, diplomatic, rational way. Probably she's spending too much time with you because, like, it's crazy that someone so, like, cute and nice could speak in such a sort of, like, adult, like, rational way. And you're like, I don't know, Nathaniel, maybe Clara's just a bit more mature than you. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Ever thought about that one? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Um, And then basically Nathaniel sort of says, yeah, maybe she's right, though. Um, and and she has a point that I sort of constructed all of that stuff in my mind. It's sort of like my trauma following me, but I still have the idea that if this Coppola guy that I now met in my uh, in in my house, who he wanted to sell something to Nathaniel, yeah. I think um, if that is Coppelius, I'm going to revenge my father's death. Yes, that is sort of his outlook. So he very much is on the brink between. He doesn't seem to be able to see clearly whether it is. Like, it's a sort of 50-50 chance that actually Nathaniel is right and he's like, this awful person has come back into my life. Mm-hmm. Or there's a 50% chance that Nathaniel is really in a state of unrest. Yes. And we definitely can't trust him. Yeah. And that sort of spans through the entire novella. Yes. And then I think one then big turning point is uh, Nathaniel once goes back to his house and sees that it has burned down true (laughs) and it's like oh shoot oh where is all of my stuff oh what a coincidence the one of the physics professors physics or chemistry no physics professors at uh, his university was able to like remove all of the stuff from his place and then put it in like a new place Mm, a new house opposite the house of that physics professor i cannot for the life of me remember what he was called 
It's like Strapazzini, but not. Yeah. I, no, but that could be very much like that could be right. Let me quickly. Ah, Spallanzani. Spallanzani. Yes. And so he now lives opposite Mr. Spallanzani's, Professor Spallanzani's house. Um, and that's kind of where then I think like the, the second delusion yeah. starts or the big delusion of, uh, of the story. And that also goes together with the whole narrative structure changing. Yes. Because after the three letters from the very beginning, we then change into a narrator addressing us readers directly and yes. saying, well, I just thought like, how could I sort of like, he involves us in his writing process as mm -hmm. well a bit. And he's like, yeah, I really wanted to let the, the characters talk for themselves, but I felt like I couldn't fully do that if it was me. So I decided to just give you their letters so you could see from their point of view what actually happened according to them yes. which i thought was quite a fun thing to like read because mm -hmm. he's like let me let me give you a glimpse into my writing yeah. process it was very much like breaking of the third wall yeah, like definitely. very fun concept and he's like oh you reader yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um and we have he talks about my friend nathaniel so we have a narrator that clearly knows of nathaniel but mm -hmm. we don't really know who he is again addresses us directly but he also seems to be a narrator that doesn't know everything mm -hmm. um he sort of tells us events as they unravel yeah but he doesn't give us an indication as to what might be right and what might be wrong yes it's very much like just telling what he knows very neutral yeah sort of uh yeah let me give you a step-by-step -step narration mm -hmm. of the events that occurred yes basically and so then we're also introduced to another character that is quite important that is spallanzani's daughter mm -hmm. who's called olympia and spallanzani keeps her very uh like to himself very protected very reserved in her own room um and nathaniel starts to kind of observe her from afar thanks to um what's the thing like a looking glass yeah he, he buys a looking glass yeah, from, from coppola. coppola in the end also i can't remember now exactly in which context that was but i think spallanzini told him that like oh no like coppola is like a legit guy like he's actually italian because he has an accent mm -hmm. and then nathaniel's like oh sure like he has an Italian accent, so he can't be Coppelius because, yeah. as far as I remember, he was German. And I was like, well, that is like makes absolutely no sense no. in terms. Like there, you can also tell that like his the, the way that he's thinking is like very selective yeah. and very much uh, fitting his own truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, oh, I need a looking glass. Let's trust the Coppola for like half a second yeah. so I can spy this guy on who Olympia. I thought was actually my father's murderer and the second person of my childhood trauma. Yes, yes. And I think something that we also have to mention here, what was difficult to read, is it's quite the text is quite difficult in terms of how foreign people oh, yeah. are described yeah. because, yeah, Coppelio and Spallanzini are both Italian. And so it's, like, written <laughs> like an Italian person would speak German, but not in any, any way, shape, shape or form. form. Um, I don't know, like, Hoffman, what Italian person he has encountered <laughs> before because even if, uh, even if you try to, like, transcribe an accent and, like, write it phonetically to what the person sounds like, mm -hmm. what is written here does not sound like anyone. 
No. Like, it just sounds weird. It sounds weird. I was really, like, sort of, like, it was like a riddle. I was like, could it mean... <laughs> yes. Could that word mean eyes? I, I think. think so, yeah. Um, so, I'm yeah. actually, I, I would be interested to see in, uh, in translations um, how that is written mm-hmm. because I have, uh, I have downloaded um, the ebook in Italian for my boyfriend. Oh. Because I told him he has to read it also because it's short and, yeah. uh, you know, short, so you can, sweet to the point. Yeah, but uh, quite like an important mm. piece of literature for like just the general so pop culture and kind of what it has brought with it. So I'm actually, uh, I'm going to check um, yeah. afterwards what that is kind of uh, what, like oh, yeah. how it is in Italian because the text's in Italian. So you can't like mock an Italian accent probably in a, Italian. Probably it will be like a German yeah. like accent in yes. Italian. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, like, the one, like the one character in The Simpsons that is uh, in the German version, he's Austrian and has yeah. like a funny Austrian accent. And in the Italian version, he's Swiss and has like, uh, and like yodels and like always eats chocolate. But I think the original character is actually Swiss. But then obviously like German, you could like... Yeah, you could yeah. not make the... Yeah, that is so, and Or maybe no, maybe in the German version, he's Swiss because obviously... They couldn't make him German because he was already German. Because they're like, oh, yeah. let's make fun of Germans who we are also. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so that's uh, that's like literally. That. You can see writers in their room being like, "What can we do to make this work? Yes. Let's make him Swiss." So I'm interested to see what the translators had in mind for Coppola. Uh, yeah, with their translation, if yeah. it's like Ute from Simpsons, <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thought that was important to place it mm-hmm. because that's also how you can see how the text, in its way, is dated or like is very much a piece of its time as well. Yeah. I feel yeah. like this is something that you could not um, write in no. the same way, no. like yeah, today. And also, I don't know about your edition, but like mine has quite a lot of sort of like translations on the sides oh no it doesn't have that in the margins oh no Mm -mm. because there's quite a lot of like older german expressions Mm -hmm. and i would assume oh yeah no i also had to like i i went to google them i think like on the first page (laughs) i wrote like what the fuck's that so i wrote like oh that's a barometer (laughs) but see like on in the margins there's like little explanations because this is actually still the edition that i had in school so i think they gave us one where they're like the stupid students don't know what that means (laughs) So let's like give him a little, like a little help. Oh, fun! Yeah, so you can really see that it's a bit of an. uh, I think it's it maybe the oldest text we've read up until now. Yeah, I think think so. Eighteen sixteen, I think, is uh, is the oldest one we've read so far. Um, So yeah, you can see sort of like it's very much like a piece of its time as well. But didn't like stop Hoffman from being creepy. Yes, as heck. Yes. So, Absolutely. So I think the introduction of Olympia mm-hmm. is very much sort of determining the rest of the story. Yes. Because Nathaniel then starts watching her opposite because she lives in the house opposite through the window. And she, I found the descriptions of her maybe the most creepy thing in the entire mm-hmm. book because she sits extremely still yes for hours doesn't move and her father keeps her extremely sort of like tied to the house but nathaniel starts being extremely intrigued with her Mm -hmm. sees like she is beautiful yeah apparently um apart from her very dead and stiff eyes yeah which i'm like oh 
aren't like the eyes so important to like a person's, you know, light in the face. Yep. Apparently not important enough. Enough. And um, so he starts being like he falls in love with her yeah. completely. And like completely Com- forgets Clara. He's yeah. like, who even is Clara anymore? Nobody, like, n- Clara's never existed to him. Now Olympia is, like, his one, one and, and only love. He's so mesmerized by her beauty. And to her, happy, and uh, to his happiness, Spallanzini organizes an, a party and an event mm. where he wants to introduce Olympia to society. Yeah. As, like, I don't know, like, these parties that you probably did back then when you were, like, hi, my daughter's up for grabs now. <laughs> yeah. disgusting. Like, she is of marrying age. Yes. Come and get her. <laughs> like, she was in a room until, like, one day ago, and now go get her. And now she can talk to 100 people at yes. the same time. You go. Like, ugh, like the, yeah, so... Basically, Nathaniel is like, okay, I need to go there. I need to meet her. I want to marry her. I'm going to tell Spallanzini I want to marry her. All of that good stuff. And that, I feel like the whole, in terms of like, I feel it's difficult to, to sort of be concrete about the time that passes in between, but it oh, all yeah. feels extremely quick. Yeah. So think about Nathaniel being like, head over heels with Clara and then the next day he's like I'm looking through this woman through my looking glass like the stalker that I am yeah and she is the most beautiful face I have ever seen and I'm gonna marry her now I feel like time wise as a reader it feels like it happens from one day to the other yes also because I do think these things happen on like two pages probably so you're like okay Nathaniel like slow down what the hell so um he goes to the party (laughs) And Olympia is as stiff as ever. (laughs) She's just sitting there and he... I think everything that Nathaniel does, he is a super intense person. Yeah. Like, I was exhausted just reading about him. Everything he does, thinks, feels is on steroids. He is extremely dramatic. He's an extreme romantic. I feel like he is more like in love with love than the person yeah that's a very good way to put it right Mm -hmm. like he's more like the feeling and the idea of love is means more to him than any Mm -hmm. real person which is also why he definitely idealizes all the women in his life so namely clara and olympia yes they are not just like oh she's a super cool like woman no i would spend my life with her it's like so much it's like also the way it's written is like she's the most beautiful and i don't know it's just like everything is super over the top Mm -hmm. and he reads her his poems yeah and talks to her and talks to her and talks to her and um what does she respond ach ach (laughs) which i would say in english is probably like oh Oh. Yeah, like <laughs> that is the equivalent all that she replies to everything he says, and then when she replies that, he's like, "Oh my god, so deep, so great." <laughs> Literally, no, like, he's like, "Oh my god, the words she has uttered, like the dove that she is, is speaking to my soul." Yes, and um, like such eloquence, <laughs> much eloquence, such intelligence. <laughs> And there you can also tell that, like, Nathaniel has lost his marbles. <laughs> Definitely has. Yeah. Um, but not as much as you think he has. <laughs> A little foreshadowing there. Um, and I think we do have to mention sort of the incidents that is the climax of the story. Yes. Uh, which is also where 
Like, I think the whole, like, our one-sentence summaries, you said it's a, it's a madman going mad. Yes. <laughs> Basically, yes. and the whole, like, human-machine thing coincides at that one yeah. climax. Because one day, Nathaniel walks into Spallanzini's... Um, is he called Spallanzini? Uh, yeah, Spallan Spallan or Spallanzini. Let's just say, like, that name is <laughs> difficult. Not as easy as Coppelio no. or Coppola. <laughs> Yeah, they were like, oh yeah, let's name like two characters basically the same, but then let's go for a freaking weird ass last name. Spallanzani. Spa- ah, Spallanzani. Okay. There we go. Spallanzini Spal- rolls, <laughs> yeah. rolls off the tongue. Apologies. <laughs> Apologies. Um, and he hears Coppola and Spallanzani <laughs> arguing and sort of goes in curious as he is. Mm-hmm. And sees that one of them is holding sort of the body of a puppet of a doll, mm-hmm. but like a life-size doll over their shoulders. Yes, a wooden doll with a wax face. With no eyes. Yes. And some bloody eyes are rolling around on the floor. And he realises, I'm sure you've all guessed it, who could it be? <laughs> it's Olympia. <laughs> what a shock. To be honest, though, I mean, I feel like we all knew already that, mm-hmm. like, something was wrong yeah. with Olympia. I was going to say, what did you think she was? Because I... Th- so, basically, for anyone that didn't, like, hasn't got it yet, Olympia, this whole time, was a wooden doll. A puppet, a machine, an automat, <laughs> as yeah. Hoffman would call it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so not alive. <laughs> but basically, and not alive. I personally thought when they were mm-hmm. describing everything, I was going more down the route of like like a Hitchcock psycho. I thought that it was a dead person. Oh. I thought it was a corpse. Oh, interesting. But then how would she have spoken? Was it just like gases <laughs> coming out from her body? Just like, ooh. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, like a, a like a puppeteer. What are they called? That like oh, where he's uh, like Spallanzani is just standing there like a, a little... ventriloquist. That's the word. Or like you know some someone's sort of, sort of uh, holding up the yeah. Because oh. I I didn't think of like the whole connection to Spallanzani being like a, a like physicist, physics. Yeah, like yeah, all yeah. of these things. So I I was convinced <laughs> that she was a corpse. Which would have made Nathaniel even weirder. Yes. Like, ew. Because yeah. I just, I didn't go to the place where I thought, like, somebody wouldn't recognize somebody made out of wood. Like, I yeah. thought that the person had, like, that Olympia had to have some sort of, like, fleshy material yeah. on her. But no. apparently, no. He's like, she's got this really lovely quality of her skin. It's, like, quite a nice, interesting skin tone. It's, um, wood. wood? <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Um, what did you think she was? I don't remember what I thought the very, like, because I read this 12 years ago. Oh, yeah. Which also, again, like, the Swiss school system that makes you read that crap. I mean, traumatizing. it is awful. It's yeah. really spooky. I don't know why. And I remember reading it being like, mm, okay, <laughs> another <laughs> book's done. Next. Um, I remembered, because that's what I said, like, I remembered the whole machine-human thing. Mm, that was mm-hmm. the one takeaway that I had had from the yeah. story that I still remembered. So I knew from the beginning that Olympia was a doll, mm-hmm. or, like, a, an automated machine, basically. Um, but which made it very interesting, because I sort of could read beforehand, like, all the signs that sh- something was wrong with her. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing with the corpse make, makes a lot of sense. Also, like, sort of the, the white, waxy, mm-hmm. like element um 
Yeah. But it would also make sense because at that time, women were not really allowed to show anything but their face. So he would not have seen her body, but True. just her face. So if she has a waxen sort of face... Oh, I didn't think of yeah, that. See, that's like you true. would not see like like you are now with like with your arms. With, yeah, with your arms. true. You would not have seen that. Yeah, not like hi, this is actually Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, it's like Pinocchio with like with a, a wax face. Wax. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, um, so maybe with like makeup. Oh, yeah. That like actually, it's like I didn't a think Madame Tussauds wax yeah. face oh, on ew. like. A, a stick of wood. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's, and maybe the hands as well. So it looks like she's wearing some like fun gloves. Yeah, maybe. She, yeah, maybe then she was wearing like gloves. Probably or gloves. And so yeah, basically Coppola like runs off with her. He steals the automat. He steals the machine. Mm. And Spallanzani is obviously Enraged. very upset. And Nathaniel, I think at this point, I don't even know what he is anymore. He's like. I think he goes completely berserk. Yeah. And um, starts like dancing around mm-hmm. and singing a little enchanting thing, being like, oh, my little doll. Yeah. Like running around. Like a re- like that, that was extremely creepy because you can really see like he's he's lost it completely yeah. now. He's like, he's a goner. Yes. Yeah. He's a goner. Yeah. Which I understand because he's just realized that his love interest is a doll yeah. with no eyes. Um, but then I'm also like, Nathaniel, maybe like read the room. Like you could have noticed before. <laughs> yeah. Also because all of his friends were like, uh, something's not right with this Olympia woman. Yes. Like she seems too like stiff and weird and she doesn't really speak. And he was like, you just don't understand her. Like, like when she said, oh, oh, <laughs> she was so deep actually. She was speaking to my soul and we have a connection that you guys just cannot understand. <laughs> And they're like, okay, Nathaniel, you do you. And he's like, yeah. okay. So at that point, he completely loses it. Um, but also, like, it's explained how this whole incident and the discovery that Spallanzani's uh, daughter is an automated machine, like, mm-hmm. human-made machine, um, is sort of, like, opening up a whole, like, trial in terms of, yeah. like, people then suddenly being like, oh, my God, like, could this have happened elsewhere like is maybe my partner mm-hmm. a machine that looks like a human yeah so it sort of gives that feeling of unrest yeah. in society which yeah, i thought was interesting sort of to zoom out of that specific story and giving it like a broader context very true i thought that was quite interesting how they also then yeah kind of you know, depicted balanzani as this uh like a bad guy that kind of tries to trick people into thinking that something is human if it even if though it isn't and so i thought yeah that was quite interesting that that even though again in 40 pages like mm. he took the time to look at this broader context yeah. and then went back, back to nathaniel to kind of his small very tragic outcome of mm-hmm. something like that absolutely yeah and then Nathaniel sort of then has a sort of like blackout and wakes up in his father's home surrounded by his brother and sister. Yes. Sort of try to get him back to being normal. He feels better again. And I think we're not going to say too much about the outcome of the story. Because no. I think it's very fun if, like not fun, but like it's good if you read it yourself. Yes. But it's sort of like a question mark whether Nathaniel will be fine. Or maybe if he is going to go down like, in, like give in to his madness. Yeah basically so i think the whole like in terms of themes the idea of you don't know whether you can trust nathaniel and you don't really know what's real because Mm -hmm. the narrator also doesn't give you an indication of no sort of is nathaniel going 
bizarre. Yeah, it feels like the narrator knows exactly as much as Nathaniel knows, mm-hmm. but with like a a clear mind. Yeah, because he just says everything very like matter of fact, but he also like he the the, the narrator only realizes so to say that Olympia was a doll when Nathaniel realizes she's a doll. Yeah, and so it's kind of yeah the narrator seems to be like the the still kind of like grounded person yeah. that maybe Nathaniel was once or you know yeah but relaying the facts of the story at the same time that Nathaniel is also mm-hmm. living through them so he's not like oh Nathaniel fell in love with this woman side note she's, she's a machine <laughs> yeah, yeah like we sort of learning everything as we go I think as readers we had an idea that maybe something was up yeah but not quite all right it's just the way that she was described was so like non-humanly Mm. That you thought like yeah everything immediately like either was... doll corpse anything but mm. not something like a living human being absolutely because of like, the way that the eyes were described and then obviously the whole focus on the eyes kind of goes back to the Sandman with exactly. the sand the eyes Nathaniel's fear of like losing his eyes because of the Sandman so I think also what do you think like the title why mm. has he called it like the Sandman and not because the Sandman yeah. in and of itself has a very small relevance yeah. I was wondering about that too when I finished reading it because yeah, the Sandman is not really a figure. No. It's just a concept that Nathaniel has made up in his mind and has connected it to Coppelius slash mm-hmm. potentially Coppola. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, I very much thought about the Sandman, like the thing that you just said now, that that sort of theme with the eyes that keeps popping up again. It all has to do with like eyes and seeing in perspective the same thing with the looking glass mm. you know that nathaniel looks through the looking glass to see olympia and then suddenly only then he realizes how wonderful and pretty she is it sort of like i don't know messes with his perspective and maybe his rational side of being like oh wait something might not be right but i feel like he does notice like oh she looks quite stiff and like dead but that's still like it, that just killed me when i read it because i was like there is so obviously something wrong yeah. with like something's not right and he's like she's so beautiful even though she like walks like a wooden puppet and like yeah maybe because she is a wooden puppet yeah. but yeah i think i know it's difficult to to come to one final conclusion but for me it sort of gave the idea of... I think the Sandman is the reason why Nathaniel is not doing well mentally. Yes. So I think that the Sandman... Either, like, because you could very much play the whole thing both ways. You can go down the road of the story is actually as Nathaniel lives through it, meaning that Coppelius is responsible for his dad's death. Yeah, he that then, Coppola is Coppelius. Yeah, that he then pops up again in Nathaniel's life as Coppola makes him fall in love with that wooden doll and sort of is the, the reason of his complete demise. Yes. Or you can go down the route of like, Nathaniel has always been like a very sensitive child, probably has had this idea of the Sandman as a very terrifying concept and has then attached it to a person in his life that he mm-hmm. was scared to and then sort of never gets to let go of that idea that the Sandman is sort of haunting him in a mm-hmm. way or like that idea is haunting him and through the Sandman Coppelius and then also Coppola that he's, his brain tells him that figure keeps popping up in my life which can also make sense with the whole eyes thingy you know like yes. the theme of eyes and seeing and perspective being distorted maybe. oh I like that approach that's mm. uh, yeah 
Yeah, uh, yeah, it's true. And and it's also something, as you said, with those two routes that you could take, it's Mm. very unanswered. Yeah, definitely. Like, both of them are possible. Yeah. And... We're just as clever now as we were in the beginning. Yeah, you just know that, like, something is very off and Nathaniel, unfortunately, kind of just can't get out of the spiral. And then something else happens and he just always links it back to Coppelius, to that Sandman figure. Mm -hmm. Um, So I personally would probably be more of the idea that everything... Or like Nathaniel's perception is tainted by his Mm -hmm. own fears and his own anxiety and kind of his delusions. Mm -hmm. I don't think that Coppola is Coppelius, etc. So I would probably more go down that route. And I think the Sandman is also sort of like the epitome of the idea and I think that very much works together with the time that the book was written in like the early 19th Mm -hmm. century with like the whole like romantic movement you know everything is like it's the idea of the genius coming alive like a genius being in turmoil like the whole feeling sensed like sensitive Mm -hmm. character and like sensitive like artists yeah um and i think the the sandman is the epitome of that idea between emotion because that is a very emotional character Mm -hmm. for uh for nathaniel and like rationality him as an adult who should be able to see okay that is something that my brain has created but i can let go of that so Mm -hmm. it's sort of like his internal battle i feel like yeah between like his rational side, which is very much supported by Clara, who I find throughout is like the best she, character. She, yeah, she's, she keeps a cool head. She keeps no nonsense. Very, no nonsense, but still very empathetic. She yeah. never, like, yeah, she never has kind of a, a dismissive undertone. She's always mm. very empathetic towards Nathaniel's yeah. kind of uh, craze. And also considering that at some point he completely forgets about Clara yeah. and like just is focused on, yeah. uh, on Olympia. She's, Quite, uh, she forgives him in this, in a sense. Yeah, which I would never. <laughs> no. I would no. be like Nathaniel. So yeah, no, not anymore. No. Um. So yeah, I think the Sandman sort of is the carrier of all of these ideas that come, like sort of that come up in this book and now sort of spread throughout mm-hmm. the story, which is probably why he's chosen it. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think the idea of the Sandman is still? so much uh, a topic now i mean yeah netflix just turned really, neil yeah. gaiman's uh, graphic novel into a series the sandman and the idea of like sort of someone coming you to help sleep is very much in our minds i think in general like dreams mm. like the whole like un like that you still don't know like dreams how they work like the whole notion that you can analyze dreams etc etc i think that is still a very like interesting approach and something that is still fascinating today mm. that is still also being used in i don't know like pop culture and stuff to kind of uh, mm. convey also certain ideas and then kind of the idea of the subconscious that comes with yeah. that and then i just think the sandman is something like the the actual like person the mm-hmm. sandman or the like a uh, fairy tale figure mm. whatever you want to call it like i don't know if it was born out of like a folklore or I actually don't know. fairy tale um i just think it's some like it's a figure that you can easily turn very evil mm-hmm. it can be like a cute idea like i don't know if you've ever seen the series the sandman on like tv on uh, german children's tv 
It's what I watched every night yeah. after dinner before going to bed. It's a cute little dwarf that helps you sleep. It's like the most pure thing ever. Yeah. So you can go down that route where it's a very beautiful thing. You know, you have like a tiny little dwarf that sprinkles some sand in your eyes and then you go to sleep and in the morning you can like wash it out of your eyes and you've had a great sleep. You dreamt of a cute little dwarf and his adventures. Or it's like a ridiculously evil person that like comes like throws a bunch of sand in your eyes until they bleed you fall asleep and potentially never wake up like there is it's very um it's yeah i just find it's a character that can go both ways and i think that's maybe why it's super fascinating that's a very good point yeah because the whole idea that like a man comes into your room and is like let me help you sleep yeah like like, no no like leave me alone (laughs) yeah yeah and that I think is a good point with the dreams as well, because I feel like Nathaniel throughout, it feels very much like he's in a fever dream. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. obviously can't think rationally, but it feels like like he doesn't really know like what is right, what is wrong, mm-hmm. where is up, where is down. Yeah. He's very much sort of like lost in his own thought process and, mm-hmm. I don't know, turmoil. So, yeah, the whole thing of like maybe, you know, the Sandman came and sort of sprinkled some fever dream yeah. sprinkles in his eyes <laughs> yeah. and he never really recovered from that yes but yeah i think it opens up a, a concept of like yeah like the whole sleeping dreaming not being in control mm-hmm. oh yeah um sort of being there and having to sort of deal with your own maybe dark thoughts or like whatever your brain is doing to you because unless you're like a lucid dreamer yeah like you have no i mean i never have any control over my dreams they just happen to me yeah and i'm like i need this is my life now also when you have these dreams you know that when i don't know like a person's face looks a certain way and then you turn around again and the person that's kind of morphed into a different person like the whole coppola coppelius it just seems like every like and also the timeline that wasn't very clear like in how Mm. much time has this story actually happened no Mm. idea also you know the notion of like a dream that you sleep for like five minutes and you've dreamt like you went on a huge adventure like i've dreamt a saga in my brain yeah so yeah maybe it's um yeah that uh it just kind of allows for a bit more creative freedom Mm -hmm. for the for the narrator and then it makes it more interesting for the readers to Mm -hmm. kind of be in a in a world where you don't know is this actually happening or yeah. or is it is just it my imagination yeah maybe we could add that to like the the roots like first of all like nathaniel's going crazy yes like the whole thing is actually happening and coppelius coppola is like this evil sandman mm-hmm. guy or like nathaniel is just in a fever dream yeah that was actually maybe induced by the sandman who yes. was maybe coppelius we will never we'll know. never know we will never know but I think, like, why do you think this book is still being read? <laughs> because it's short. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very low investment. It's, uh, like, it's I think, I think it's, it, it goes, for me, this goes into the direction of, like, a creepy fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And I feel like fairy tales do not have, like, an expiration date. Because True. they can be reinvented in mm-hmm. a million different ways. So can the Sandman. Yes. Mm. And then because it's short, because it's like low effort. <laughs> yeah, true, and yeah. also maybe because it's creepy. I mean, I yeah. don't don't know which teacher thought. Oh, you know what kind of book we're gonna read with my I don't know sixteen year old students. Like, this creepy doll, like wooden doll that loses yeah. its eyes. Peace out. <laughs> Peace out. Like sleep well <laughs> with that now. Yeah, sleep tight yeah. tonight. Um, but I think I mean 
I mean, I've, I've read so many books throughout my school career, some of you, but this sort of stuck in my mind with the whole machine, human, mm-hmm. not really knowing what is right. It's very unusual. Yeah. For, also for school reading. And for its time. And for well. its time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it does sort of go into the whole, like, to go back to Frankenstein, it definitely goes into the direction of, like, this, like, scientific genius trying to create something. Yes. If we think that, like, Coppola and his friend have actually built True. this doll and it's it's real. I wonder if she... Um, and by she, I mean uh, Mary, Mary, Mary Shelley, Shelley. Was, like, had read The Sandman mm. because Frankenstein came out in 1818, so it would be two years before that The Sandman came out. Yeah. But I'm not sure if that would have been, like, translated... We'll never know. Yeah. Can't ask them. What a shame. <laughs> like, hey, 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 Mary. <laughs> did, were you in any way influenced by... But yeah, so um, I would definitely say give it a read if you can. Not just because it's short, but also because you, you can read something that has influenced a lot of literature. Mm-hmm. That is a very small time investment because usually yeah. classics are quite heavy. German classics are freaking heavy. Yeah, they like so are. heavy. And so this is a German classic that is very short, very creepy, very fast-paced, kind of sticks out in a positive way. So I would say give it a read. It's also uh, the um, ebook downloads are for free. Oh. Because uh, oh, I the, like the, the rights yeah, and the stuff, rights. there are none left. <laughs> so like have expired. So you can, uh, yeah, you can get it has been translated in a bit of every language. All languages. Yes. Oh, that's a very good point, actually. So. No, I would. I have nothing more to add than to say, yeah, low, like low investment. You've read it quickly. It's a like it's a fun, yeah. not a fun, but like it's an interesting, quite unusual mm-hmm. read, and yeah, it gives you a lot of sort of material to talk about or to think yes. about, for sure. Nice. Let's leave it at that. Perfect. We'll finish our little iced lattes. <laughs> And I really hope, I mean, we'll have to pick the books for the next episodes, but I hope that we won't have a book that A, has any letters in no, them. No, I don't want to read letters anymore. <laughs> I don't want to read letters anymore. And also we've picked these books without knowing all of that. Yeah. So like, we've just been on a letter roll. Yes. And like a story where no one tries to create something that then goes awfully, awfully wrong. Yeah, true. Also, yeah, yeah also it has been a theme. Um, also, the th- also in like, um, in Sherlock Holmes yeah. with the whole hound. Yeah, very true. The whole like, yeah. So let's uh, we'll, we'll go for something a bit different <laughs> a bit next different. time. Yeah. And yeah. Until yeah. then, take care. And see you next time. Bye bye. Bye.